Go on, preacher. Woo-hoo. This morning we're going to be in Acts 16. If you have your Bible with you, I'm going to flip over there. Or somebody will maybe grab those locks in the somebody will get those locks in the back in the front seat a little bit. Um, um, this morning we're going to be in Acts 16. I'm so excited about this word that we're going to share together this morning. Um, we're going to start a new series this morning called There is Power. And I feel like we need that. We're in a place right now where we need that. Amen? Yeah. See, I'll, I'll just be honest that from this angle, this perspective, I can see that man, there's a lot of us that are hurting. Uh, there's a lot of us that maybe even feel hopeless. There's a lot of us that uh, are going through some stuff. And uh, I hate watching it. Uh, but what I hate watching even more than that is when you went through it so long, you start believing what the devil's saying. There's no hope. You're never coming out. You're never, you're never climbing out. You're never getting out. And that's true. You're never climbing out. But the reality this morning is there is power. Amen? Amen. And your power. But there is power. And this morning we're going to talk about that in Acts 16. Um, we've got a long way to go until we get to what we're going to talk about this morning. Because before we get there, you got to know what's going on in Acts 16. In Acts 16, we see a man named Paul. Um, maybe some of you guys have heard about him. And another man named Silas. And they are out on a missionary journey. Uh, what that means is they're going out. And their goal in this trip is not vacation. Their goal in this trip is not to see the world. Their goal in this trip is to go with the purpose of sharing the gospel to all those they come in contact with. And it says in 16, they um, went on to Derby and Lystra. I know I'm using some weird uh, names. Those are city names. Uh, where they met um, a man named Timothy, who was a disciple, who was a follower of Jesus. And Paul decided in this moment that he was going to ask Timothy to go on this journey with him. So I've got Paul, Silas, and Timothy. That's pretty important because Timothy in this moment is introduced into the Bible, and later on we see that this is the man that Paul eventually packs the torch of the gospel to the nobody in Acts 16, but willing to see what God would do in his life. So he got up and he went. They went on a missionary journey, and it says they went to, or tried to go to some places. Uh, they were trying to go to Asia, uh, trying to figure out where I am. I've memorized most of this, but I don't want to miss any names. Um, okay, there we go. In six, it says they were uh, through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, maybe part of those, and were prevented by the Holy Spirit from speaking the message to the province of Asia, which is just a little, I know you guys think of it in China and Japan, they weren't going that far, this is just a little um, a little piece of a map over in Turkey, kind of the eastern edge there, the western edge there. Um, they were trying to go, and they are trying to present the gospel in this area called Asia, that's where they wanted their missionary journey to be, and it says that they were prevented by the Holy Spirit from speaking the message there. I look at that, and I'm like, it's so weird. What do you mean? I'm going to share the gospel, and in that moment, the Holy Spirit keeps me from going to share the gospel. It doesn't normally work that way. Most of us would use this as, okay, missionary journey over, right? I was trying. I went all the way to Asia. I was trying to get there, and then you wouldn't let me share the gospel there. So sorry, Jesus, I'm done, I'm going home. Most of us would have quit right there, right? They didn't do that. So they tried to go to a different place. They tried to we go to this place called Byzantia, and when they said that when they got to 
uh, sorry, Bithynia, I'm just making up words again. Um, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to share the gospel there. Didn't allow them to go there. The Spirit of Jesus here, the God, we're like, hey man, that's the gospel. He wants to share the gospel everywhere. He wants to go everywhere. So they try to go there, and Jesus is like, nope, not going there. Again, the second time they go to share the gospel, and they cannot, in that place, share the gospel. And it says even the Spirit of Jesus prevents them from doing that. And again, most of us are not paid, nope, done. Missionary journey over. I don't know that because most of us six years ago invited somebody to church. They said no, we've never done it again, right? Well, I've invited that one person. That's my job. They said no, I was crushed, never doing it again, right? But these guys were persistent because it's what we're supposed to do. Um, and it says they left that place and then they went to um, another place called Troas. And in that place, God finally spoke to Paul through a vision and he said, hey, I want you to go to Macedonia. I just want you to see this. They went to three different places with the intent of sharing the gospel, and in all three places, it didn't work out well. Let's go to Asia and share the gospel. It's going to be amazing. We're going to have a revival over here in Western Turkey. It didn't work. We go to Bithynia. That sounds great. It's a good city. It's a nice place. They got a little pond. It's amazing. I'm going to go there. I'm going to share the gospel. And again, no, you're not. Let's try Trolls. Let's go to Trolls. That's a cool name. Let's, I think maybe it sounds like Trojans, and they're cool warrior men. Let's go hang out over there. And they go over there, and again, nothing happens. The gospel is not presented. They've tried three times. They've traveled great distances to share the gospel, and every one of those times it doesn't work out. And then Jesus finally speaks. He's like, hey, let's try a different place. Let's go to Macedonia. Let's go over here and hang out in this Roman province. Let's see what happens. So they left Troas in 11 and ran a straight course. You don't care about this stuff. And they end up in uh, Philippi, which is like a little area in the province of Macedonia. If you're thinking about it, Macedonia would be the region that's like East Tennessee to us. And Philippi would be a city in that region, which would be like Knoxville to us. It's just a city in a region. And this is where they go. They just pick a place. So it's, it's a popular city. It's a city with a lot of people. And they kind of go in there and set up shop there. And when they first arrive there, it's Saturday. And they're like, we're going to go pray. So wherever the people that go pray, pray. So they left the city and they went outside and they, they prayed in this place. And while they were praying and talking in this place, um, it says that God opened the ears or the heart of a woman named Lydia. And then she came to know Jesus. Not only did she come to know Jesus, but her whole family came to know Jesus. Three times they attempt to go share the gospel in three places. None of that works out. God shares, hey, you're going here. They go here. And at the right time, at the right moment, when they're praying, they're just doing what they do. Someone hears the gospel and responds to the gospel. I think this is important for us because we think it's got to be a big production, right? We go in, sound, lights, fans, we've got to run up in there, and we've got to just say the right things, and we can get the right moment, and if we create the right mood, and then God will work in that situation. And the truth is, man, I feel like sometimes we should just turn all that stuff off because we complicate it what God's trying to do. The truth is, they were just doing what they do. They were just out at the stream praying, and as they were living out their walk with Jesus, it affected someone around them. 
It wasn't them trying to go up and start some conversation with somebody they don't know about how they should come to know Jesus so they're going to go to hell. They were just walking out what following Jesus looks like. And in this process of walking out what following Jesus looks like, the church at Macedonia starts. The church at Philippi starts. This woman comes to know Jesus and her household comes to know Jesus and they say, she goes, hey, why don't you come and stay with me? If you think I'm a believer, if you think I really get it, if you think I understand it, come and live at my house and this will be home base, this will be headquarters. Like We will attack Philippi for the gospel from this area. So they set up shop, they go in their house, and I don't know what happens in Philippi. They could throw giant tent revivals, I have no idea, probably not how it works out. But they do continue this process of going to pray. Going down to the river, praying, being where the people are and living out their faith, not in a house, but a place where the people are. And as they're walking through this place, um, this is in 16, once as they were on their way to pray, a slave girl who met us, this is them speaking about them, met them, uh, who had a spirit of prediction and made a large profit for our owners by fortune telling. Um, they, they met up with this girl who had the ability to tell the future, basically. And her owners, if she was a slave, her owners were using her as a sideshow. Um, you ever been to the fair or something, the circus, and they have all the, the freaks, so this would have been the thing. She would have been the freak. They come and listen to this girl. She can tell you stuff about the future. She can tell you stuff that's going to happen. She can predict. She's a freak. And they, they made a lot of money off of this. People wanted to see this. People wanted to hear that. And they met up with this girl, and they said, met up with this girl, it says um, that she followed them around, 17, she followed Paul and, and then around, and she cried out, these men are the slaves of the most high God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She's basically a walking billboard through the city, and she's walking around behind Paul, and she's like, hey, these men are slaves of the most high God, because you know that? These men right here are slaves of the most high God. The men that are saying the way to heaven, the men that are saying the way of salvation, these men are slaves of the most high God. And this sounds like a really great thing. Some of you guys would pay somebody to walk around behind you, right, at work and be like, he's a slave of the most high God. And she's a slave of the most high God. Take you to school. She's a slave of the most high God. She's amazing. She's the most awesome person in the world. Some of us would pay people to do that, but for some reason it frustrated Paul. See, I believe the truth is, when she was doing this, she wasn't trying to draw attention to Jesus or the Most High God. She was trying to draw attention to Paul and Silas. She was trying to get everything off of the gospel and everything onto these men. And some of us would be totally okay with that. To be honest, that's kind of what we do when we make it such a big deal about how we should. I can't share the gospel with I and I'm and me. And that's what we do, right? It's all about me, it's all about how I do, it's all about performance, it's all about my words, it's all about no. It's all about Jesus. When we make it about us, it's when we screw up, actually. And Paul didn't like this. Because in this moment, it was about Paul and silence. It was about the ego, it was about the, the, the position. So Paul turns around to this girl, frustrated. This is but Paul was greatly aggravated and turning to the spirit now. He said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and came out of her right away. Again, another amazing thing. I didn't give up on a missionary journey. We got rejected and rejected and rejected. I kept going. It was amazing. We were persistent. We were following. We were doing the thing. And that sounds great. 
And then now, like this girl who had a spirit, who had a demon in her, I cast that thing out. That sounds amazing. But when this happened, um, the men that had made great profit off of her, they were not fans of this. See, the truth is, now that the spirit is gone, now that she's not got the spirit, they can't make any money off of her anymore. She's useless now to them. So they grab Paul and Silas and they drag them up to the people who are in charge and then they start attacking not the fact that they cast out the spirit, but they start attacking men. They're preaching a message that's not lawful for us to preach. This is not a popular message. It's not allowed here. You can't do that here. Heard that before. It's not the place for that. Two things you don't talk about. What are politics and religion? That's a lot. It's straight out of the devil's mouth, actually. Maybe not the politics part, but the religion part. <laughs> and they drag him up in front of these people who were in charge, and because of that, listen to this. Because of that, they took these men and, and they stripped them down. And they put them in the middle of the people, and then they beat them. <clears throat> and they threw them in jail. They actually ordered the jailer to keep them securely guarded. For past 17, by the way. All the And it says in 24, receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison, and he secured their feet in stocks. He put them in the middle of the prison. This is not just hey, we're in kind of the community jail where like everything's not that bad and there's free cable and the food's decent and like three meals a day and AC and heat. Like this is not that. This is, I'm going to throw you in the middle of the jail, maximum security. Like the people on the outside, maybe somebody can break them out, but they're not going to get you out. Put them in the middle and then they, they chain them. And they're already in a cell with a door with bars, like they're not getting out. And then they chain them inside the cell with their hands and their feet. This is not a comfortable place. Actually, I, I love this because in, in this moment is where we can find some of us today. When you look at this right now, and some of you guys are like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, if you really think about the story, how does it even make sense? These men are followers of God to the point where a demon followed them around and said, these are slaves of the Most High God. They're preaching the real gospel of salvation. Was, that was the deal. Like, that was these men. You're, you're not even that man, but you look at that and you're like, how unjust is that? All they're doing is trying to present the gospel. They're doing all the right things. They, they went on a missionary journey and they went here and they rejected and they kept going. Like, I don't know if I kept going, but they kept going. They went here and they rejected and they kept going. They went here and they rejected and they kept going. And then and then, then like God gave them a vision, like three times in, they went to Macedonia and preached the gospel, and they did that, and like they started the church in Macedonia, and, and then like some people got saved, and it was amazing. They were walking out their Christian life, they were doing what they were supposed to be doing, and, and then they cast out a demon, which is another amazing thing. And then after all that stuff, after doing all the right stuff, after following in a way that I probably have not followed, after doing all those things, they're still going to be beat and thrown in jail. God, that's unjust. Right? Let me just speak what we think when we read these things. That's unjust. That ain't right. If you read this as not like uh, some book that you picked up off the shelf, but like an actual thing that really happened, then that doesn't actually make sense, does it? Because if, if that's who they are and that's what they do, shouldn't God protect them from those things? 
This is actually the moment most of us would step in the story, and if this was our story, we'd be like, nope, I quit. I tried following God. I tried doing all the right things. I tried like doing what I was supposed to do. I tried to be a good boy and a good girl. And I was like even doing more than most of the people that sat with me in church are doing. That was me. And look what I got from it. If this is what you get from following Jesus, I'm done. You know how I, I, I know that that may be what some of us think? Because I don't know that there's anybody who hasn't been there. Well, let's just be honest about this one. You thought that. If you haven't, you've never been through anything. If you haven't, you've been sheltered and protected and uh, nothing in life ever seems to fall apart because that's what we think, right? Oh, I'm done. Jesus, I tried doing it and you're not looking out for me. You forgot me. You, you walked away from me and now in return, I'm walking away from you. This is the moment. But see, the reality of it is this moment only happens to those of us who are doing something. The devil had no problem when they were sitting in the house, right? Now, well, they could have chose, hey, you said we could live at your house, so we'll just come live at your house, we'll have church forever, missionary journey accomplished, like three or four people got saved, it was a great year, maybe we'll try again next year, you invited us in, you can feed us, you can take care of us, so we'll just sit in your house and we'll never do anything worth anything. They could have done that. But they didn't. They continued, and because they continued, they cast out a demon. Satan doesn't like that. That's not a good deal. They, they, they did something that, that was effective and, and, and worth something in the kingdom of God. And the moment they did that, the moment they did something that matters, what came? Oppression. Some of you guys are like, man, I was doing all these things, and like God forgot me. No, he didn't. You were doing all those things, and you made Satan mad, and he did something about it. Because he knows most of the time, if he'll just throw a little something at us, he doesn't have to do big things. He can put a tack on some of your chairs, and you'll be like, oh, so mad, I've never come back, it's done, I'm done. He doesn't have to destroy your life most of the time. He doesn't have to go that far, because the moment it gets kind of dark, most of us will walk away. And he knows that. To be honest, we know that too. That's why most of us don't do anything. I'm going to come to church, I'm going to not get noticed, I'm going to, maybe, maybe I'll sing, maybe I'll raise my hand, maybe, but I'm not doing anything out of this building, because the moment I do something out of this building, I know something bad is going to happen. Right? Yep. So they did. They followed God. They did what they thought they should do. They did what they thought God had called them to do. Here's what they got out of it. They got beaten and put in prison. But uh, I love that that's not where the story ends. Amen. See, some of you guys quit there. You've not finished your story. You're like, why am I still sitting in this such right here? It's because you quit right there. You sat down when it was about to get good. That's like walking out of the movie after the previews. When it says in 25, about midnight, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to him. I love that at midnight. It's just like the, the latest part of it. It's right in the middle of the night. That's what they call that. It's, it's the midpoint. In, in this moment, at, at midnight, you know that the night's not over. It had been different. If it had been like at the end of the night and the sun started coming up and it was getting gray and still black, like that had been a different story. At the beginning of the night, there's still a lot of time for stuff to happen. 
But it says this is going on at midnight, in, in, the, in the darkest moment, in the, in the middle of the night, when, when we know we still have actually a lot of night left. We've already went through a lot of stuff, and we know that we've at least got to go through some more stuff before it's over. But everybody's asleep, and I'm not getting out of jail today, and, and it's going to be a little bit while I'm sitting in this room, and there's shackles on me. It's not over today. That's the moment they're in. I've been in oppression for a while, and I know that realistically I'm going to be in oppression for, in oppression for a little bit longer because it's right in the midpoint. It says in this moment, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Okay, wait, wait. But let's rewind. Missionary journey failed. Missionary journey failed. Missionary journey failed. Finally succeeds. A little bit of stuff happens. And then they get beaten and put in jail because they're persistent. And because they're faithful. Because they're following God. Their reward is to be beaten and put in jail. And then at that moment, what you find is they didn't walk away and quit and shut up. Because if I got put in jail for preaching the gospel... Probably the last thing that I would do in that moment is continue to sing and pray the gospel. I'm going to shut up this week. But what it means to me, which is pretty amazing, is in that moment of oppression, in that moment when everything's not really going okay and going right, we have a choice. Amen? Some of us now, not done, don't like this, don't like where you're going, because I'd rather just sit here and be mad. I'd rather just sit here and quit. I'd rather give up. I'd rather stop. Well, that's great. That's no choice. But there is another choice. There is another option. When stuff happens and it gets bad and it gets rough and it gets dark and everything seems hopeless and everything seems lost and everything seems bad, there are two options. There's not one. There's two. One is, listen to what the devil says. Look where it got you, bro. You're following God. You're checking the list. You're doing the right thing. You're showing up. You told something about Jesus. And look where you are. Life's falling apart. Everything's crumbling. That's where you are. I wouldn't do anything if I was you. I would, I would fly under the radar. I would, I would back out of the whole following Jesus thing. I may not even come to church. I, I, to be honest, I, if I did, I would just sit there. I wouldn't get excited. Wouldn't raise my hand. I would draw no attention to me because look what. Some of you guys, if I said, have you heard that? You raise your hand. Word for word. Or you have another choice, and that's to, to believe. See, in this moment, you have two choices. One is to leave, and one is to believe. Right? Leaving looks like I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to shut up. And I, I may leave physically, but I'm at least leaving emotionally. I'm, I'm not going to invest in what God's doing. I'm either, I'm either going to leave, or I can choose to believe that God is stronger than this. I can choose to believe that God is bigger than this. I can choose to believe that even in these moments, even in the middle of the night, when everything's falling apart and everything's crumbling, that our God is still the God who heals, that our God is still the God who provides, our God is still the God who loves, that He's not left me, He's not forgotten me, that I'm right here and there is hope. See, I can choose. Yeah? And I just want you to know that this morning, because some of you, that was the freeing moment right there this morning, because you were like, I've been listening to all this stuff, and it sucks, and I hate it, and I know there should be more, but I just can't believe that there's more. And I just want to say to you this morning, there is a choice, and you can make the choice right now, this moment. You can say, I'm going to believe. Or you can say, I'm going to leave. The devil will lie. There's one choice. There's one way. you got to get out of here. you got to find the radar. And that's the loud voice. He's loud. He's annoying. And he's loud. 
But then there's another voice, that still small voice, that's like, no. Not here. He said, I love you. When did that quit? I said, I'm here for you. When did that quit? I said, I'd never walk away. When did that change my mind? I said, I'd never change my mind. When did that change my mind? So you can choose. You can leave. Or you can believe. And in that moment, what they chose was not, I quit. They chose, I believe. And in that moment, the belief looked and sounded like this. They prayed, and they prayed. They prayed, and I don't know what their prayer was. Their prayer could have been very natural prayer. God, I'm in jail. I won't be in jail. Get me out of jail. That could have been the prayer. The second prayer is, the prayer could have been, God, I'm here, and I'm here for a purpose and a reason. So whatever that is, you let that happen. That could have been the prayer. But here's the truth. It doesn't matter what the prayer is. Your prayer may start as, hey, God, I'm here, and the second, I don't want to be here. And then it may end up at, hey, God, I'm here, and for some reason I'm still here. And it's been a year now, and I'm still here. And now it's been two years, and I'm still here. But I'm okay with it because I believe, and while I'm here, why don't you just use it? It'd be the thing. Prayer didn't matter. That's why it's not in the book. Your prayer doesn't have to be that prayer. But I just want you to know, in that moment when they prayed, they also praised. What I mean by that is they were singing hymns. Hymns are, it's a happy deal. You're not singing like, I'm in jail. It's terrible. I wish I could die. That's not a song. I just wrote that. They were singing songs of belief. What they were doing was they prayed a prayer, and then in the same moment as they prayed the prayer, they worshiped like God had already answered the prayer. Still in jail, singing, God, you are good, and you are faithful, and you are true, and you are love, and you are hope, and you are grace, and you're all I've got. I'm in the jail, I'm chained to the floor, I'm chained to the wall, it's not a great place, but you're still good. God, you're going to deliver me from jail. That's probably one of the songs. God, you're getting me out of here. But they just want you to know in this moment, they didn't just pray and then sit around and think, I'm still here, it's been 15 minutes ago. God, you didn't hear me, it's been 15 minutes. I prayed 15 minutes ago, the chains would be off, and I'd be walking out of here, and I'm still here, so I'm mad again. I believed for a moment, and now I don't believe. They prayed, and then they praised like God had already delivered them from the thing. Amen? This is not that kind of saying, I believe this, but nobody's going to hear it. I don't want anybody to know, but I believe you, and I, I'm going to trust you in my heart and trust you right here. Nobody else is going to know that I trust you, but I'm going to trust you, and it's right here. But it says that as they were praying and praising, all the prisoners were listening. This was a loud event. They were in the middle of the jail. They were in the acoustically best spot for everybody all around them on all sides to hear that God is good and he's a deliverer. Isn't that amazing? God moved him in, not to the corner cell where like the next two guys over here could get it, but I'm going to put you right in the middle. I'm going to make you the focal point. I'm going to put you in the center of the jail so that every way you turn, there is somebody who's going to hear, you're in jail, but God is good. You're in oppression, but God is still faithful. You, you are in, in a bad situation. I'm not going to lie about that. You're still actually in jail, and jail's not a happy place. Jail's not a great place, but in the middle of the jail, you can still pray and praise. And as they were doing this, every cell all the way around at midnight wasn't asleep. They were, they were listening to this party that's going on in the middle of the thing. 
not a quiet little nobody but me gets to hear, but everybody that's around me is going to hear, this is my God. I don't know if they could raise their hand, because I don't know how long the chain was, but if they could, somebody saw that. I don't know that they could get up and dance around because I don't know what those chains look like, but I know if they did, somebody got to see that. And in the middle of the night, in the darkest place, in the worst place they had maybe been ever, in that moment, that's when the prayer and the praise happened. Amen? That's the spot of revival. Amen? You don't need revived when everything's over. Amen? Yes. So God moved them into the place. What do you mean God moved them into the place? Well, they tried to go to Asia. And God said, through the Holy Spirit, no. And then they tried to go to <coughs> Athena, where the moon is. And Jesus himself said, okay. And they tried to go to Throws. And in that moment, God said, no, we're going to go to Macedonia. We're going to go to a place called Philippi. And in that place, I'm going to use you. You know what using them look like? I'm going to put you in jail. I'm going to put you in the middle of the night, in the darkest, nastiest place you can imagine. I'm going to you to a wall. And in that moment, when you have the choice to choose to leave or to believe, if you believe, that's where we're going to do a work. And that's it. Amen. And in that moment, I'm going to do a work. In the moment where everything's falling apart, if you'll just believe with the people around you in, in, in a position they can hear, because I'm going to put you in the middle of some people. If you'll just believe in that moment, I'm going to use you in a way that I cannot in Asia. Okay. I'm going to take you to a jail. And they prayed, prayed. And this is what happened in that moment. I just want you to see. This is suddenly, we're like a, a verse in here. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken. In the moment of prayer and praise, God moves in such a way that even the earth cannot face it. Amen? I don't want you to see that. Some of you guys are like, well, I pray and God didn't do anything. You keep on praying and then you praise like he's already done it and you see if God won't shake the room around you. So there was such a violent earthquake. Everybody probably has no idea what's going on in, in, in Philippi right now. I don't think this is a natural occurrence. This is the, the sound of God moving into the room. This is what the footprints of God sound like. He's a big God. I was several, probably hundreds of miles above the earth yesterday looking down, and I just want to let you know, you know what I couldn't see? Your house? Or your car? Or you? And what, what does God look like? Well, what, is it? what does it sound like for God that big to step into action? What well, sounds like the ground around you falling apart? In that moment of prayer and praise, God moved into this revival moment, and this is what God did. It says, immediately the doors were opened, and everyone's chains came loose. This is not just Paul and Silas. 
<coughs> in that moment, I just want you to know, God moved in and He delivered Paul and Silas. Amen, that's great. Right? But He also delivered everyone else in that thing, in that moment, in that jail. Everyone around them, God moved into that moment and everyone's chains come off. Not two people that were really good people that God really, really loved, but everybody that encountered the moment of praise and prayer, everybody that was close enough to hear, God shook all the doors open so that everybody could go free. I know this is a very physical thing right here. It's a very physical, literal image, but I just want you to know this is what God does in our hearts. It's not for you. It's for everyone close enough to hear. Amen? And I don't want to share my heart. It's my heart. I'm going to go through it on my own. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to put anything out there. I'm, I'm not going to... Well, then you're not going to allow God to do what God wants to do. God didn't put you in the middle of a jail in Macedonia so that you could see God work. He put you in the moment where the most people have their eyes on you so that everyone could see how God works. So that in the moment of prayer and praise, when God encounters you and God moves in and the whole foundation of the earth shakes and everyone is set loose, including you, other people get to join in on the freedom party of God. And you didn't get that, apparently. Other people get to move in and enjoy the freedom party of God. You gotta quit being about you, church. But we might as well leave. God's not just He's about you, but He's not just about you. He's about JoJo at work, and He's about Toby at the mall. He's about all those people. So yes, God allows us to walk into hurt. He, he allows that. But he also, in the same moment, if we will believe and not leave, will use that to not only create a revival in us, but around us. Where other people's, our chains will fall, but theirs will too. And our doors will open, but theirs will too. And at the end of that, what they're going to remember is... Man, when they were there, they were singing songs and they were praying and God answered that. And if that's their kind of God, I want that kind of God. Because everybody's chains fell off, all the doors open. And it says in 27, when the jailer woke up, this was a big deal. And saw the doors of the prison open, it says he drew his sword and he was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. Some of you guys looked at him like, that's crazy. Why would he do that? Well, because what the Romans would do to him would be worse than what he could do to him in that moment. I just want you to know, if he lost one prisoner, if one person got out, he served their punishment ten times over. It was going to be bad. And he was like, man, they're all gone. They all ran out of here. They all flew out of here. I'm going to have to kill me because if not, the Romans are going to kill me and they're better at it than I am. So he pulls out his sword and he's starting to, starting to kill himself. And this is in 28, but Paul called out. And I don't even know how he knew this was going to happen. It had to be a God thing. Paul called out in a loud voice. And he said, don't harm yourself because all of us are here. You, you don't need to do that. You, think you, you, don't, you don't need to kill yourself. Actually, I'm still sitting here. I'm not chained to anything, and the door is wide open, but I'm okay with it here. And actually, all the people around me, they're all still here, because we're all so in awe of what God just did. I'll just sit here in it. 
see, this didn't, this moment, it didn't actually change their reality, it just changed their perspective. In this moment, God did loosen all the chains and He did open all the doors, but they're still sitting in jail. But the truth of it is, now they're sitting in jail not because somebody's keeping them there, and they have to be. Amen? But they're sitting there because God just did such a mighty work in that moment. They're, they're in awe of what is going on. I just want to let you know, some of you guys, you're, you're in something. And I don't know what God's going to do with that. The prayer may be, hey, God, get me out of here. And he may very well do that. Or the prayer may very well be, hey, God, get me out of here. And over time, he changes that into, this is where I have you. And you may be, just maybe by the grace of God and the Spirit of God, become okay with that. And you just sit in jail. I'll just sit here in the pressure. God, you didn't deliver me, but instead of being mad at you, I'm going to choose to just lean in to hope and let me use it. And this is the moment. And they're sitting in jail, and they call out to the jailer, and they say, hey, uh, don't do that. We're actually all still sitting here in all of what God just did. So the jailer in 29 called for lots, and he rushed in, and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he escorted them out. The jailer, the person who put them in jail, actually brought them out of jail. And this is what he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And I've never seen anything like that. I, I, I'm speechless at this, actually. And I heard you guys singing when I put you in there, and I thought you were nuts. I threw you in jail, I turned the key, I locked you up. And you started praying and singing, and I was like, these guys are crazy. And at 8 o'clock, you were still singing, and at 9 o'clock, you were still singing, and I went to bed around 10, but before I did, you were still singing, and then I wake up at 12, because the, the earth around us shook, and everybody's out of jail, and I don't even know what happened, and I don't know how that happened, but I believe because of what you were praying and what you were singing, <laughs> now we're in this moment, and I want that. So he says, what, what do I have to do to be saved? And he told him, and you know what? He got saved, but not only him, his family. It's crazy. They were in jail. They had been beaten and chained up, and they had every reason to just quit and stop. But they didn't quit and stop. Because they didn't quit and stop, God did not quit and stop. And I wish we could see it just clearly on the page here. But, but I do see it clearly on the page here. Help me just give God an end to that and say, Now do you know what sent me to Macedonia? Now, now do you know why it didn't work out in Asia? You know, do you know now why you didn't get to go here? Do you know why Asia wasn't a thing for you? Do you know why? Because he wasn't in Asia. Right. You, know, you know why Bethania didn't work out? That's a great place, and maybe we'll go there someday. But you know why that didn't work out? It's because he wasn't in Bethania. He was right here. And then you try to get with Troas. I mean, it's a great city, and I love Troas, but I just want to let you know I was coming from this guy, and he was in Macedonia. But here's the truth you would not have encountered him out at the river where all the players were. You're going to get him there. 
and you weren't going to see him out there in, in, in the church. You weren't, you weren't going to see him there. You had to come to jail to see him there. But I just want you to know some of you guys are stuck in a job you hate. And I just want you to know God may be saying to you, you know what? He's not at this place. He's at this place. And you're here. But he's here. Some of you guys, maybe you're leaning into a moment where you're going to spend some time at a hospital. I know some of you guys just this week heard some stuff. And I just want you to know, you're wondering maybe why is this going to happen? And maybe God's just saying, well, with this, there's somebody I love, and, and that's fine. You're your nurse, your doctor, and God sat beside you in the waiting room. I love you. So I sent you here for them. I sent you here for them. Some of you guys are going to do other stuff in life right now, some experiences, you know, like this is horrible, I don't, I don't want to. Well, maybe God is saying, you know what, somebody in a week or a month or a year, they're going to walk into your situation and their story is going to look like your story. And if you will meet it with prayer and praise today, I just want you to know it will affect the lives of people coming by you. Know? So God doesn't waste that stuff. He didn't put us in jail because <coughs> jail is slowly meant to be because we're poor people. He doesn't lock us up because we're useless and he lost us. That's not how that works. He didn't forget about us. He put us in those places, in dark places. His idea very many times because God wants to use it. And you can leave and you can sit down and you can pout and God can get nothing out of that. He can do that. It's still going to leave you in jail probably. It doesn't change the situation. Or you could say, God, I don't know why I'm here. I have no idea why I'm here. You don't have to be happy about it. Then you can meet it with God, I trust you. God, you say your hopes, I'm going to hope in you. God, you say you love me, so I'm going to love back toward you and I'm going to receive your love. And I'm going to stand right here in the middle of jail. I'm going to stand right here in the middle of jail. And I'm going to pray because I don't want to be here. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to say, God, I want you to get me out of here. But then I'm going to stand up and I'm going to worship in that same energy that I pray with. Because I believe that, God, you love me, and there is hope for me, and there is a way out for me, and that, God, you have good for me, and that when you say all things work together for the good of those that love him, well, I'm going to love you a lot, because I want all things to work out together for the good. I don't care what the good looks like, but I'm walking into the good, because I choose not to leave, but to believe. I'm going to meet it with prayer. I'm going to pray, but I'm also going to meet it with praise. I'm not going to sit down. I just want to let you know today, and I know some of you guys are, are dealing with this, you're like, man, that's, that, that's me, that's where I am, and I don't feel like crazy when you get up to me. You do it till you feel like that. Man, I don't feel like praying today, I pray to get to that thing. Well, how many chances, how long, how long did you get? Man, I prayed that one time. I want you to pray from now until he says, no, I want to pray for him. This morning we have this moment where we can walk into this reality that I do believe. Where we can continue on the path of God I leave. I just want you to know this morning, God wants you to know this morning. You have a choice. You have a choice. You have a choice. God says no, you don't. I said yes, you do. I'm just going to let you know. I would take him over the devil. Amen. Amen.